one of the most beloved Christmas season songs that we're all probably very familiar with started as an advertising gimmick in 1939. Montgomery Ward uh, tapped exec uh, executive advertising executive Robert May and tried to get a, a poem written that would suit their toy store and would enable children to be drawn away to, to come and obviously with their parents uh, get to buy some of the toys. This is when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? I managed to say, first appeared in a little booklet that was published by the department uh, store chain. And more than 2.5 million copies were, were handed over. And by 1946, more than 6 million copies of the poem were distributed. Rudolph's story came to uh, uh, become a musical in 1949 when May's brother-in-law, Johnny Marks, wrote the music for it. And after it was turned down by Bing Crosby and Dina Shaw, uh, singing cowboy Gene Autry recorded it. And today everybody would have heard about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And he's probably one of the highest selling Christmas songs that we often hear when we go about on our uh, shopping trips or even drive around in the car. Everybody seems to be familiar with it. But why is it so loved? I guess because it's the story of an underdog that is chosen in spite of what seems to be a series of flaws. It's an unexpected story. It's a surprising story. It, it, it's one of a reject, an outsider, outcast, who suddenly is invited on the inside and becomes the hero in the story. What a nice surprise. And really, this is what I want to look at this morning. As we delve into the Christmas story, and the Christmas story obviously begins long before the, the, the time and the season that we're in, in December. It begins with a, an encounter that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had almost nine months before with an angel. This is how Luke describes in his gospel in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 onwards, this encounter that Mary had with the angel. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not worry, Mary. For you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow, oh, what an amazing encounter. And actually everything about this story wants, wants me to 
say, wow, this is amazing. This is so unexpected. This is so surprising. And I want us to delve a little bit into the story to realize just what a wonderful gift Mary received. First of all, I say, wow, because this would have been an unlikely encounter. Luke is saying, God sent the angel Gabriel, verse 26, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Wow, this is an unlikely encounter. Angelic encounters, encounters between human beings and this angel sent by God to communicate with human beings and often to bring some very significant messages. They were not daily occurrences. In fact, there are very few times that angels are mentioned in scripture and when they are, those are very significant times. We don't know how much Mary knew about the angel Gabriel, but we know that he was very prominent, particularly in speaking to Daniel in the Old Testament. As God's people were in exile, Daniel was one of the uh, key people that God used to, to, to bless his people and to be a leader in the remnant of those who would have been faithful to him. Daniel was inquiring of God and was seeking a sense of discernment about what was going to be happening to the nation. And God sent the angel Gabriel to communicate with him and to bring a sense of revelation of God's plans. We don't know whether Mary knew that, but one thing is for sure, she would have been absolutely stunned because this is an unlikely encounter. Human beings, normal human beings, don't just have encounters with angels. Mary might have known about her relative's encounter, Zachariah, who was a priest, and he as well, just almost at the same time, receives this messenger from God in the presence of the angel Gabriel, who is bringing him some news about the miraculous birth at the very late stage in life of a son who will be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. Everything about this story is about an unlikely encounter. And Mary knows this because when the angel comes to her, she was, it says, greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Greatly troubled. And actually the angel has to say to her, do not be afraid, which suggests that she was giving the signals, all her physical demeanor was communicated that she was really frightened and, and apprehensive about this encounter simply because she was surprised. And then she said she was she was wondering. She wasn't just troubled, but she was wondering what kind of greeting this might be. Let's be frank. Mary would have been puzzled. Why me? Why me? Why, why should it be me to have an encounter with this angel? This is a wow story, a story about an unlikely encounter. But as we go into Luke's description of what was happening, this is also an unlikely setting. It's not just an unlikely encounter between an angel and Mary, but an unlikely setting for this to be happening. Again, in verse 26, he says, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, Galilee was up in the hills, somewhere back in the sticks, not in Judea, where all major things were happening. That's why it seems to be an unlikely setting. 
In fact, in John 1, 46, Nathaniel, when he hears about Jesus coming from Nazareth, he's asking this rhetorical question that has an undertone of something else behind it. And he asks this question, talking about Nazareth, can anything good come from there? It probably would have been almost like a slur on this location. The, the town of Nazareth was probably well known for corruption. It wasn't a place where you expected God to send his messenger. It's an unlikely encounter between Mary and an angel and an unlikely setting. Nazareth was not the place you would have expected things to happen. Of course, you would have expected things to happen in Jerusalem. It would have been the centre of attention. It would have had the best media coverage in those days. I haven't got a clue what kind of media coverage they could have had in those days. But certainly people would have paid notice and it would have been in a prominent place. But instead, the angel comes to Mary in the back sticks in an unlikely location. And then if you stop and think about Mary, she's an unlikely person. Again, in verse 27, Luke describes the encounter between Mary and the angel. And he says, he appeared to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Everything that we get told in this description is pointing towards the fact that this would have been an unlikely person. And also everything that we are not told about Mary is pointing to the same thing. This is a very unlikely person to feature prominently in the birth of the Son of God, who will be the Messiah, the promised Messiah that the Jewish people would have been looking forward to see, and the one who will be the saviour of the world. She would have been an unlikely person. She, in her own words, describes herself as a virgin and Luke describes her as a virgin. But read behind that label and what he's saying, this would have been a virgin pledged to be married. This would have been a girl who would have just been betrothed, which would have been the equivalent of the Jewish practice of in our modern day, being engaged to somebody, but it was a lot more than being engaged. It was like being married without being married because there was a period of waiting before the marriage ceremony would actually take place. But this would have been a girl probably looking at the context of the cultural setting of the time and the social norms that were in place. She would have been a teenager, probably an early teenager, maybe some so somewhere around the ages of 13 to 15. And she's a virgin pledged to be married. Therefore, she is a very young woman, just barely a woman, a young girl, maybe a young teenage girl. Well, that is an unlikely person. Why? Because she doesn't have the life experience. She's never had kids before. She never brought up kids before. And therefore, you'd expect that if the son of God was to be born, he would be born. Well, carry on. He would be born in, this is the joys of recording stuff and being in this environment. She would have been born, you would have expected that Jesus would have been born in a family that would have been well established, in a family with a lot of experience in bringing up children, in a family that would have been a safe environment to have that to happen. Instead, 
the candidate for being the mother of the incarnate Son of God is Mary, just a young virgin girl pledged to be married to Joseph. You would have expected her to be part of, and this is what the story isn't telling us, but once again, I would have expected that God would have chosen somebody to be the, 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 the mother of Jesus who really would have had an extended family, maybe some servants, somebody who could have helped her raise up this special boy. None of that. She was young and inexperienced. She doesn't seem to be coming from a wealthy family. And she really doesn't have any particular qualification to say she is an expert at doing this. Wow. Who God chooses is an unlikely person. But this was significant as we step back in time a few hundred years before in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 7, 14, it says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And this was it would have been so significant that the one who was to be the mother of Jesus should have been a virgin and she will miraculously give birth to the one who will be Emmanuel, God with us. Everything about this story is, wow, unexpected, surprising, unlikely, an, an unlikely setting, an unlikely encounter, an unlikely candidate or person to be able to be the main focus of the story. But then it, it, the, the, the cherry on the cake is this. It's an unlikely honour that is bestowed upon this unlikely person in the unlikely setting following this unlikely encounter. An amazing honour. Look at verse 31. The message that the angel is giving is this. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The expression that the angel is, is bringing to her to, to show the honour, the unlikely honour that is being bestowed upon this fairly anonymous, godly virgin girl betrothed to be married to Joseph is this, that you are highly favoured. The expression is very much linked to uh, an expression that the Apostle Paul is using in Ephesians 1, 6, when he talks about the grace of God and he talks about the grace of God being freely given to us by God. Same thing is hinted at here. It's almost as if the angel is saying you are favoured, you are graced by God, you are being given this unexpected and to some degree undeserved gift, this honour. And this is incredible. And if you look at it, it's almost like a gift that has a little gift, but it's not little actually. <laughs> but it, you kind of picture the Russian dolls that you open the big one and the smaller one and even a smaller one and smaller, there's more in it, there's more gifts. Or if you think about, a, you know, a lovely Kinder Egg, you know, when, you know, you just rejoice because you got a chocolate, but wow, there's something else inside. There's a toy. I talked about that some time ago. But it's it's like a gift with many other gifts within it. And she receives this honour 
of, of being part of God's plan. But then when the angel explains what God's plan is, it's mind blowing. It's amazing. And he says to her, you will be given a son. That's gift number one. She receives a son. A child is a gift. And particularly in that patriarchal society, to have a, a, a child that is a son would have been an incredible blessing to her. And then the angel is saying he will be great. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign. His kingdom will never end. So the gift is not just a son, a boy that would be birthed to her, but also this is called great. He will have a throne. He will reign. There's a hint that there's a strong leadership role upon this child that will be born out of her. And then the gift, another one is in there. He is to be called the son of the most high. And again, there's a hint, and I'm sure that Mary probably doesn't grasp the, 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 the fullness of how amazing this gift is. It's like, the, it's like the song, Mary, did you know? Mary didn't probably know the full extent of the, the glory of this gift and how amazing it would have been. But it's a spiritual role. He is the son of the Most High. And Mary would have understood that. There's a spiritual dimension, not just a human, social, political leadership role that this king, this son that will be born to her, will have. And then the final thing, the final gift is this. His kingdom will never end. This disposition that this son of hers would have will be eternal. Would be, wouldn't be something that's here, there, and there, here today and gone tomorrow. It's not like the politicians of our day who might be popular today and they make a blunder and then they're vilified tomorrow. There is something about this child that is being born that has the capacity to be lasting. You see, this is a wow moment for her because she receives this unlikely honor that is given to her that she will give birth she will be the mother she will get to raise this very special boy that she gets the hint he truly is something else something amazing something never experienced before but probably doesn't get the full extent to which that is to happen Corriton Boom, who will be familiar to many Christians for her role that she played in, in aiding Jews um, under the Nazi persecution in Holland and herself experiencing the, the, the tragedy of concentration camps. Corriton Boom said this, if Jesus was born 1000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would be still lost. You see, the powerful truth about this wonderful gift that comes to Mary isn't just so that we can say, wasn't that great for Mary, but it touches our own hearts too. It has a connection to us too. There is a link between what is happening to Mary and all the unlikely things that are there. The unlikely encounter with the angel, the unlikely setting in, in which she finds herself in, the unlikely identity of who she is and the unlikely favour and honour that she receives. It has a link to us because Mary's story in many ways 
is our story too. Just like Mary was an unlikely candidate to benefit from God's blessing and, and, and the, the incredible invitation that she receives, we too are those who are invited by God to have a relationship with him. Listen to the words that John, the Apostle John, is, is using to describe Jesus as coming into our world and really the heartbeat of what the Christmas season is all about with Christ at the very centre. John 1 verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Children born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but of God. The word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We have seen his glory, John is saying, his glory of the one and only son who came to the father, full of grace and truth. He came. He's the light that came into our world. To all who received him and all who believed in him, he gave him the right to become the children of God. See, that's the invitation there. Just as much as Mary is invited to be part of God's plan and to, to play her role, we ourselves are those who are the beneficiaries of Jesus coming into the world. He's the saviour that comes to save sinners. He is a saviour that comes to the rescue of those in need. And that's me and you. And this is right at the very heart of Christmas. So Jesus is coming into this world to bring salvation to all who received him. He gave him the right to become the children of God. I love the way Tim Keller puts this. He says this, Christmas is an invitation by God. Look what I have done to come near to you. Now you draw near to me. I don't want to be a concept. I want to be your friend. I want to be your saviour. That's God's message in the incarnation of Jesus, in Jesus coming into this world. How do we respond to this? Well, if you think of how Mary responded to this invitation, this interruption and intervention that, that God brings by her being the recipient of this message from the angel. Mary, first of all, accepts the invitation God gives her to be part of the rescue mission. I love her humility. I love her openness of heart. I love her courage because that would have taken a lot of courage. And she says, God, what, what I'm paraphrasing, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm here to be your servant. And then, so that's the first thing, accepting God's invitation. The second thing that she does, she shares this good news. So she goes to her relative Elizabeth and she tells her about this good news. See, in order to be part of God's plan, we need to accept that invitation that God is giving us. But also for those of us who maybe have accepted the invitation. Wow, in this time in this season, this is the time to share the good news with all those around us. 
the bleaker the environment that we find ourselves in, the more we need to bring the light by sharing the good news. Hey, wasn't it great this week as we heard news of, of the vaccine uh, being ready to be to be rolled out, rolled out to the people that are most vulnerable and most in need? We all rejoiced. It just was such a pickup. It was such an encouragement. And it's the same with the good news of Jesus. It is at the very heart of Christmas that Christ came into this world to save us, that we need to bring to all those around us. We can't just keep it to ourselves or be blasé about it. This is good news worth sharing. And then as Luke continues his story, Mary breaks into songs and she's a poet and she writes this uh, and, 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 and echoes this, this songs all the way from the past based on the, 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 the songs in the scripture from the past and she brings praise to God. This is what we should be doing in this season. We should be praising God for his grace because that's the gift that Mary receives. Putting all things together, this is it. Mary, as she unwraps the gift that she receives from God, it's all grace. Everything is surprising. Everything is undeserved. Everything is unexpected. And listen, that's the story of my life. The reason I'm in a relationship with God, as I'm not a religious person, I am somebody who is in a relationship with God, is simply because God was gracious to me. And just like Jesus came into the world in order to rescue people, God reached out to me and rescued me. And maybe that's your story too. If it isn't, I want to encourage you with all my heart at this Christmas season, just as much as when you receive a Christmas gift, you unwrap it, you unbox it, you look inside, you take it out, you rejoice it. Do the same with God's gift of salvation that comes through Jesus. And you don't need to wait till Christmas Day. You can do it now. Again, it's kind of, kind of funny in, in, in our house. There's an unnamed member of our family who has this habit. You know, sometimes people give you the Christmas presents a lot earlier. Well, this unnamed, and I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, it isn't me. This unnamed person in our family will not wait till Boxing Day or Christmas Day to open, or even Christmas Eve as they do in Europe. But actually, when they get it, they will open it and they will look in. They just can't wait. They're just so curious, so eager. It's the same thing. Maybe you don't need to, to wait for Christmas Day to bow your knee and open your heart and say, Jesus, I recognize why you've come into this world. I recognize what, what, what's the point of that Christ in the Christmas word. You're right at the very beginning of it. You're the foundation. You're the very important part of it. And you can surrender your life to him. And maybe if you've already done that, hey, can I just remind you at this time when maybe we, we, we're caught in the, in the nausea and apathy of the heart season we've been in. I get that. I feel it. But maybe it's time, just as much as we light the candle for Advent, maybe ask the Holy Spirit to light a fire in our hearts, to be just like Mary, ready to share the good news with those around us and ready to praise God for this wonderful gift. It's all about grace. And as much as Mary was graced out 
by this wonderful calling, this wonderful visitation, this wonderful invitation. Me and you, we are also graced out by a God who lavishly gives out his grace. Will you receive it? Will you celebrate it? Will you share it with others? My prayer is that you would say yes to all of those. Amen.